Hello, this is Daryl here, sending love as always. Thank you for tuning in. I just want to say, if you like this interview, you can check our website for companion workbooks, action guides, tools, checklists, templates, and show notes with links for everything mentioned on the call. Just visit bestbusinesscoach.ca. That's best, B-E-S-T, businesscoach.ca. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always. And today we're joined by hiring and employment expert, Susan Bush. Susan is an entrepreneur, speaker, salon industry expert, and the founder of Enlightened Hire, a software service designed to match licensed professionals with the right salons, spas, and barbershops so they can have long-term fulfilling careers. Susan has helped hundreds of licensed professionals find jobs and salon owners fill gaps in their teams through her personalized matchmaking service, Salon Spa Connection, and her software, Enlightened Hire. I'm actually joining us here today because hiring is so critical to the success of any business and mistakes can be so costly. So Susan, thank you for joining us. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me. How are you today? Yeah, we're good. We've already been chatting a little bit before hitting record. We've got a ton in common. Uh, I'm excited. This is such a good topic. Now, before we jump into any of that, I always want to ask, how did you even get started in business? Like you come from a family of entrepreneurs? I don't. And it's so much more difficult because there's no path. You know, I come from a family of workers. They do nine to five. And, you know, in particular, my dad cannot understand. We don't understand each other because he's like, you need to just work in an office and you need to do this and you do that. And I'm like, that's not me at all. But I feel very strongly about entrepreneurism and my place there. I feel like whatever industry I would have landed in, I would have ended up being an entrepreneur because it just suits me. <laughs> I love it. So then how did you get started? Did you have like a lemonade stand or what was your early like launch into entrepreneurship? Well, I, you know, I fell into it by accident at 25. And so we, I worked in a larger salon, one of the number one salons in Kansas City. And things kind of started to pull apart and we got bought out. And I didn't want to go where we got bought out to. And then so some people stayed and it didn't go so well. And I saw that as an opportunity. And I thought, well, you know, there's people that aren't happy here. There's people that are making money. There's people that would be creating a team. Why don't I, at 25, go open a salon? and so I did. And I find that's not also that uncommon. That's a lot of what salon owners do. They think it's going to be fun and they see an opportunity and so they do it and they head, you know, into it without really knowing what's ahead. Very, very typical. And so I was more of a common story and I loved owning the salon. I feel like it really helped me do what I do now. Would I do it again? Probably not. <laughs> It's not only a lot of work, but it's a lot of frustration. And so really definitely, you know, paved the path for everything else that's happened in my life. Right. So right. it was wonderful. So what were some of the biggest challenges that you faced? Oh boy. Well, there were many. And I would say probably the biggest one was personnel. You know, I started as what you would call a commission-based salon. And so that meant that I had employees. And so we started... I was fortunate enough to start with people. Sometimes people open and they don't have anybody and they're just like scraping and scrapping to find people. Well, I already had people. But the people that I had were my coworkers and my friends. And so that was a whole different dynamic, you know, getting into salon ownership. Now I'm the boss. 
And so that was pretty difficult. I found that this was several years ago. We didn't have, you know, Canva and all the wonderful apps and things like for design that we have now. That was really challenging. And so I've always had to hire out for that. And I felt very, you know, inept in that uh, business. You know, there's a lot of issues. I would say really it was kind of the people. That was probably my biggest issue. We did very well. We got plenty of clients. You know, I did end up hiring great people and we were full, but it was always something. <laughs> right, 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 right. And then I think this is important because I'm a fan of Elon Musk and he's quoted as saying, all a business is is a group of people solving the problem of another group of people via a product or service. And so people whether it's your customers or your staff, is such a huge part of it. And a lot of people have this fantasy of, and even myself, like automated income and, you know, just money flying out of your computer. But uh, you still have to deal with customers. Like, you just can't get away from that part of it, you know? And so I think that that's part of why I thought this was going to be such an important interview. So what were some of the, like, I don't want to jump ahead too far, but you said this was one of your greatest challenges. So how did you navigate that? Find any way, like, People, what were the biggest issues you had with personnel and how have you addressed those big, big problem areas? Well, there was the three that I could really identify and it was, where are people? How do I tap into professionals with experience? How do I, you know, I was able to get students, but how do I get exposure? How do I go in? And it was quite disconnected and really still is. You know, I would ask my sales consultant, I would ask business people in the industry, like, how do I do this? How do I do that? And the answer was always, well, you can buy this or you can do this. And it was always a funnel to some sort of shampoo company. You know, I mean, it was just so frustrating because I'm like, okay, great. Now I've got a whole color line that no one wants to use. I still don't have employees. You know, it's just frustrating. And because the ultimate goal was always to get you to spend more. And I would say my own struggles in identifying who really fit best with us. Like I knew it here. I knew it in my head. But in order to translate that, it was very, very difficult. And I don't think at 25 years old, I ever really did it right. Um, But it always made me think about, like, there's certain people who fit here. You know, salon culture or who you are, your team, very, very important aspects. And so, you know, finding those people and being able to pre-qualify them and understand who it was. I heard so many bad people to find that out. It was, I mean, it was bad <laughs> just because I didn't have any resources, none. I mean, it was like, okay, so I can't ask about this. I can't ask about this. So what do you do for fun? And let me see some of your hair pictures. And it was like, okay, here we go. <laughs> here we go. We're going to see how this goes. Yep. And yeah, turn. Yeah, yep. okay. So yep. finding people figuring out who fits best. And then what's the third issue? It was just the available resources, I would say. And the resources have changed since I was a salon owner, but it's still the overall kind of attitude of, you know, okay, here's this resource, but really we're going to funnel you into, you know, buying more shampoo or, you know, then you've got to sign up for this really expensive coaching program in order to really get there. And so that's still a big problem today. And it's really polarizing for people. Mm. It's difficult, especially for the owner that can't afford those expensive coaching programs or to buy an entire new color line. You know? uh, yeah. Well, it's tough. So I always liken it to some people and there's always a couple of uncomfortable moments in terms of trying to get your business to where you're just drawing a salary and the business is generating its own income. 
And that's an important thing versus taking all the money out all the time. Because I always say, you know, imagine you were a taxi driver. And so you get started and the first thing you have to do is figure out how do I stay busy all day? And now that you're busy all day, now you have to maybe hire someone so they can drive the car so you can figure out how do I grow this business and how do I get another car and how many other drivers could I possibly have? And you need the freedom to be out of the hamster wheel to do that. But in the beginning, when you do that, you have to take a pay cut, you know, and if that's a mishire, that you hire the wrong guy and he's instead using your car to pick up dates and go grocery shopping. So that's just the big, and that's, you know, a lot of people, that's really where it begins and ends. I remember when I was just a teen learning how to do job hunts, I was always told that, you know, people want to hire someone who's likable, teachable, reliable, likable because they got to work with you, teachable because even if you're a surgeon, every hospital operates a little bit differently. Everybody's like trying to run down a hill away from a bear while trying to tie their shoelaces at the same time, you know, so you got to be teachable because I already have a workload and now I have to teach you on top of that. So you got to be teachable. And then reliable because, I mean, if I hire you and then you say you're going to do these things, it's funny because you're a salon expert, but it was just an analogy of, you know, you pay for a haircut and they shine your shoes. Like you did a great job shining my shoes, but I'm paying for a haircut. And that's the reliable <laughs> part, you know, like do they show up and do what they say they're going to do? Can they follow instructions? So that's fantastic. And now what would you recommend to someone who's starting and struggling out? Like someone that is trying to make their first hire and is going to take a pay cut for it. The lawn owner. I would say that really do your market research. There are a lot, a lot, a lot. And honestly, it doesn't take a whole lot to open one. And so the barrier of entry is quite low to become slender. You don't even have to be in the industry. You just have to lease a space, get licensed. And so I would say really do your market research and focus in on who it is you are and what kind of people you want in there. Because that is the business. It's a people business. And so if you don't understand, A, where the demand is, and B, how to translate your message, you're in trouble. I would say, yeah, really, really think about location. Think about the people that you know, because a lot of times people in the industry are quite connected. And so tap into those people first, you know, see if anybody's hiring, see if anybody's looking. That's your best resource as people that you know in the salon industry. And then you kind of bubble out from there. And so yeah, no, you're right about taking a pay cut because that's exactly what happens. You know, I used to tell my people that I'm the last one to get paid. Just so you know, I know you have assumptions, but I'm the last one to get paid. And sometimes I don't because I need to pay the rent first. Right. And that's basically the deal. The deal is I'm going to organize all this and I'm going to make sure everyone gets what they ask for or what they accept. And then I get what's left over. And that's my reward organizing it all. Otherwise, I wouldn't organize it. A business solves problems. You know, there's all sorts of businesses that kind of are parasitic. And we all know the snake oil sales businesses and that. But at the end of the day, a business is supposed to solve a problem. Like I'm hungry, restaurant, my teeth hurt, dentist. I need to do things and I have kids, daycare. Like, you know, so it's all about solving problems and that you really should be helping the community that you're a part of. I love what you mentioned about doing your market research. I was actually expecting like a hiring answer, but you're like, no, just do the market research. So I spent in 2020, I spent about $50,000 hiring seven different researchers slash teams to help me go through all the academic literature to figure out what does the science say about success in business? Because everyone was arguing about the science at the time. And I grew up in a house of physics and geology, and I felt like, you know, I'm big into science. 
And I, you know, I've done the same thing. I've helped clients make some millions. I've helped other clients and coaching clients that didn't get success. And so also hearing about everyone being laid off, I knew there was going to be a lot of career pivoting. And I wanted to make sure that what I was teaching worked, but also I wanted to know for myself. And because I knew that there was going to be blood in the water, so to speak, and there's going to be a feeding frenzy, like you mentioned, for some of these coaches that it's just about getting the next payment out of people. Like I've been in coaching programs where I'm paying like 2500 a month for two calls a month. And really what I'm paying is for the ego of the guru, not for what I'm getting, you know? And so I just didn't like that. I'm going to ramble here, but essentially we found eight critical success factors. Self-efficacy, market intelligence, marketing strategy, sales strategy and skills, money management, business operations. I skipped one. Business intelligence, strategic planning. That was the one I forgot. Strategic planning is in the near the beginning, but self-efficacy, because if you wake up every day and you've got a list of to-do things and you're not getting it done, you're not making any progress forward. If you have limited energy, if you're not a good communicator, not a good team player, if you're not effective or on your team, we've talked about this before, reliability. You know, if you hire someone and they're not reliable, they can't manage your time. And then market intelligence. If you want to start a business today selling fax machines in the era of email and digital file transfer, that's a strategy. So I love that you mentioned that, knowing who you are and who you will serve, where the demand is. That's fantastic because a lot of people need to get their hair done, but are you going to be helping? High schoolers, are you going to be helping business professionals trying to go to the next meeting? Are you helping stay-at-home moms? Are you helping soccer teams? Like, who are you going to serve? You know, I think that's fantastic. Yeah, the more specific they can get, the better, you know, because the people really like that identity, especially when you go in. I mean, not particularly guys. Sometimes guys are like, yeah, whatever, I'll go anywhere. Women like to feel like a part of something, yeah. especially when they go visit the salon and sort of team members. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, 100%. 100%. And specificity, let's say you have a pounding migraine and you go to the store and you're like, oh, this thing is killing me. I just need it to end. And the store is empty, but there's two jugs on the shelf for two things. One is this big bottle of green goo and it says cures everything and it's 99 cents. And then the other one is $5.99 and it says fixes migraines in 15 minutes or less. What are you going to get? Right? It's more expensive but you have a greater certainty it's going to fix your specific issue, you know? And that, that's what I need. That's me. Yeah, I'm out. Yep. And whatever. I don't care about the money, right? I just need to get the migraine away. That green bill might do it, but it might not do it all the way. It might only help. It fixes everything. I don't know if it does migraines. Well, this thing does migraines perfectly. $5 more, but so I Thank love you. that. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So. What are some of the greatest mistakes that you see people making when they're salon owners making when they're trying to hire? I think, well, there's a lot. One of the biggest things is the intake process. You know, we are fortunate enough to be in an age where we have websites and we have social media and we have all sorts of, you know, great things that we can use, you know, as far as a digital application. But most of the time, what you see, and this is interesting because we're like going around and looking at everybody's website, looking at how they take in applicants. I, for an example, I ran into a really high-end salon in Pennsylvania. They've got several locations, like over seven locations and beautiful careers page. They've got, you know, all these things on the career page and a video and all about us. And then to apply, 
is a form that takes your name, your email address, and it's a message. That's a mistake. It's unbelievable. This is a huge salon brand. This is super duper common. I mean, it's actually very rare to see salon owners who are asking the right questions. I saw another one the other day, four locations, beautiful, gorgeous salon. The application was so off-putting. It was so overwhelming. They're asking all these different questions about criminal history. I mean, I don't know if they've had that issue, but it didn't tell them anything other than to scare the crap out of the applicant. Like, oh my God, you know, when have you done this? And when have you done that as far as employment? And it was like, oh my gosh. I mean, what are you really getting from this? Yeah. Honestly. Right. You know, and that means you, it's very difficult for the owner to say, okay, this is who fits with us. And then be able to translate that either digitally or verbally. Right. Because there's a lot of ideas. Oh, well, we do this. We do this. We do this. Oh. Yeah. 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 I love that. I love that a lot. So going back to the state critical success factors, this is the business operations thing. A lot of people think, I got to make sales to have a business, but I've seen businesses. I mean, Enron is an example of a company that had a lot coming in in sales, but they didn't manage the money well. Or Blockbuster, they were a billion dollar company. They could hire all the consultants that they want. And Netflix came out of nowhere and decimated them. It's because their strategy was flawed. It was outdated. They weren't innovating and they were disconnected from the market. Newspaper, same thing. So this is what you're talking about is burger. You could have these big brands salon and they might still be struggling. Because their business operation, which is all the HR, the legal, the admin compliance, the, the HR process is scaring the top talent away, the people that people want to see and have fun with and chat with. It's a scary, intimidating process to apply. Most people that are good, they're probably not. I mean, they have people sitting in their chair all day, every day. You know, like they're hyper connectors. So I don't need to do your stupid online scary form. I'm just going to talk to my friend, Susan and whoever, and I'm going to get connected to someone that treats people right. If it was off-putting to me, I can only imagine how an applicant felt. Right. And what you said about Blockbuster Netflix, I actually teach a recruiting course and I make that exact example. Yeah. Because it's such a great way to think about like, are you still over here? Like trying yeah. to get the videotapes out or are you like, oh, here's the next best thing. Yeah. 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 You got to be innovating. Some people, there's builders and then there's kind of the managers that come in. I mean, there's phases of business, but at some point you, you have to remember you solve problems. Newspapers, they lost, they forgot, they thought they were the business of making money, stuffing stories full of advertising and saying to people, they forgot that people wanted to be informed. I mean, look at just CNN now. They're laying off a ton of people because they've got bought up by intelligence agencies in the government. They forgot like, oh, we can't force people to consume. I mean, you can brainwash them a little bit, but. At the end of the day, it's about the people and helping the people. Even if you don't have an ethical bone in your body, even if you're secretly the most evil person, but you want to have a long-term career in business, the only way to behave is with integrity and taking good care of people. That's the only way. You can fool, the saying? You can fool all the people some of the time, some of the people all the time, but you'll never fool everyone all the time. You know, like part of that. So, okay, so intake process is a big one. What's another one of the biggest mistakes you see people making. Oh gosh. Yeah, the intake is a big one. And I would say even just what they're saying on social media and what they're saying on the website, a lot of times that does not translate. You know, you'll see these great pictures. We're very visual group, right? Uh, the industry is all about, you know, hair pictures and, oh, look at that cool facial and look, you know, look at this and look at that. It's very, very visual. And so that tends to be distracting from what's really going on 
And so I would say that, you know, for instance, I saw an owner the other day had all these different things like, oh, you get this and you get this and you get this if you work for us in a social media post. The website said something totally different. So you mean the job posts not matching their experience when they come in? Uh, not at all. I mean, it was even a different salary proposition. I mean, it was unbelievable. And it was for the same position. So they either hadn't updated it or sent things changed. But, you know, the post was about hiring and it was recent. And then it sends you to the website, to that page where you see something totally different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you get an email to buy. I mean, they didn't even have a form. They were like, oh, hey. Look at all this, and then you go to our website, and there's something different. And send us an email. Yeah, it's just ineffective. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. So more of the intake process. Now, what if you have the right people? How are they messing it up? Well, I think you know we are all about freedoms these days, and I have a lot of opinions on freedom and perceived freedom. I think is a big one. You know, and freedom means something different to everyone. You know, some stylists think, well, gosh, I just want to work whenever and do this and do that. And then you've got the people that are coming out of school like, well, I'd like to do that. How can I get there really, really fast? And so I think being flexible and offering, you know, more freedoms than what we have in the past, I think is pretty crucial these days because that's that's the demand. I mean, they want that freedom. They want that work-life balance. They're not as motivated by money. They're more motivated by quality time and what they can do outside of work. Or if they're doing something fun in work to them, that seems free. You know, if they're sitting there, you know, sweeping foils all the time, or if they're having to vacuum and that's their only thing, that's not feeling of free. Right. You know, that's not feeling of value. It's like, okay, yes, I'm part of this team, but this is what I have to do. It's like, no, you kind of, you know, this is, it's just really lost. I'll put it that way. As far as like, you know, these are, you know, we earn freedom by doing this, this, and this instead of, you know, well, this is what we have to do. It's just sort of this. <laughs> right, right. My daughter, you met before the call, her name is Malaya, which is actually Filipino for freedom. And that's, yeah, I fully get that. That's a big, big one. And there's been a huge spike in disability, I think, since... People are debating the reasons why, but since mid-2021, the number of disabled people in the United States has jumped by 10%. It's like there was 30 million people total in the country that were registered as disabled, and now there's an extra 3, 4 million in 18 months. And this database is like from the 1930s to now. We've accumulated 30 million. Well, I'm Canadian. I'm the Philippines. But they've accumulated 30 million, and all of a sudden, then... 18 months, an extra three, four million. So this is coming up to why this is an important thing because, and I mean, people probably already drank the Kool-Aid and agree with me, but it just, the talent pool is going to be smaller, you know, and that's where we're talking about these freedoms. It comes back to, you know, we got to have something that really does serve the community and it can be a tough balance. I get it. It's a lot of stress on the owner. So it sounds like you want there to be rewards in place. Maybe they have to earn the rewards, but it's not like debt servitude. I gave you this job, so therefore you're doing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, tangible and clear. That's an issue that we have, you know, just like, okay, so I get this. Well, how is that done? This is the path that I have to take in order to get this, this, and this, you know, not like dangling some sort of carrot out in front of them and going, well, you know, this is what we offer. And these are like these sort of existential long-term goals that nobody's going to reach that they use to get them in the door. And that does not pay off. I mean, it just doesn't, you know, it's, it's nothing comes to fruition. It seems too impossible. 
and people leave because they're frustrated by not being able to attain these goals that for someday, right? Like, oh, someday I'll get this. Someday I'll get that. A lot of that just not clear. You know, nobody is really communicating their offerings. We'll put it that way. Right. And that means so many different things. Yeah, I love this. So one of the most impactful kind of quotes, like there's all sorts of motivation quotes and stuff, but for me in my business career, and even after having paid for all that research, one of the most influential things was a mentor of mine said, and this came from pre kind of early internet, but it still applies. It said, delegate as much as you can. So you're calling the shot, analyzing the stats and copywriting. And to translate that by copywriting, I would update it to say, you know, and focused on needs, sales, and retention. So it would be delegate and automate as much as you can. So you're calling the shot, analyzing the stats, and optimizing leads, sales, and retention. And I think that's just such a simple thing where now where you're talking about, you have to make it fun for these people. I know just hearing you talk, I know because my business owner, myself, my girlfriend, she's got a team of 26 people. It can be like, there's people that are new to this that are like, well, but I got to do all this work. And this almost sounds like another job, like to bring these people on and to make sure that they've got and to juggle the schedules. But that's what it is. You have to be, if you had a buddy of mine, he sold his business for seven figures. And one of the most important pieces of advice he got was from some, I don't know who he said, this old man told me that when I wake up every day, if I have anything on my to-do list related to my business, I'm never going to be able to sell it. I have to hire someone that has all those to-do list items on their list, not mine. And I'm there to hold them accountable to it. So I don't know, you can tell me if you agree with this or not, but two things that I want to implement. But one is a weekly three key metrics. This has been a really powerful for me and my team at least. And I got this from a software company that had just gotten 50 million investment capital. In a guy had left, the VP of marketing. And he said, everything, every role, every department in the company has three key metrics which they use to determine like world-class. So we took a salon and I'm going to put you on the spot, but what would three things, what three things would define a world-class salon hairstylist? What three things? Oh gosh, that would be different for every single person you talk to. I would say responsible, reliable, and hardworking. So we would say responsible, reliable, and hardworking. And so the way this works is maybe that's each person, but it can also be a department if you have a team of people and you have to do weekly one-on-one. It's tough. You get what you inspect. So responsible, reliable, and what was the third one? Hardworking. Hard, that was it. I put another R. That's why I was confused. I'm a writer downer. So the idea is that it's the three key metrics. And then a weekly one-on-one, the way that we do it at least, and I've seen people that do it anonymously, but you would have their weekly meeting and you would have them or the department rate themselves for each of those on a scale of one to 10. And then the manager would rate them as well. And if there was a difference in score, you'd talk about why, why not? You put the score in there and then they get the average of the three. And then you have baselines. And that's been powerful because as a business owner, at least for myself, I found that when things are going well, I love my team. If I didn't sleep well, if I had a bad day, I hated my team. They were incompetent. And this was a way that allowed me to be more objective about it. And the thing that I want to implement was someone had told me to try and keep morale high amongst your team. You should have every six weeks, there'd be some sort of prize people can win for doing well on their three key metrics. Some fun, just a lunch or the, I don't know, the t-shirt, like, I don't even know what, but that's something that I'm not doing that I want to do. But it comes back to this, what is the role of a business owner? And you mentioned it earlier was your job is to organize everything and get a cut of what's left over. 
not to be the person doing the work themselves. And that's, I think, a really important thing because when you go to McDonald's, they're never like, oh, sorry, drive through clothes. Susan, didn't feel like working today. Like they've got a system that runs to provide a service for the community, a specific type of demographic, right? So I don't, what do you think about that? Do you agree? Do you disagree? I do agree. I do agree. And I think it's the little things make such a big difference. You know, I think we, as business owners, a lot of times do forget that. And I know that salon owners do as well. And just those little, those, hey, great job, just whether it's verbal or physical, just this reinforcements of things. Now, I mean, that little stuff was a long way. You had said that a lot of people aren't money motivated, but even people that are money motivated, most people crave recognition more than money. The employee of the month thing, that used to be a thing. What's happened? That used to be a thing. Employee of the month, where is that? That's not it. They didn't have 12 people, so <laughs> right? people start forgetting about it. We don't have enough. Yeah. <laughs> so, You've mentioned that the intake process where a lot of people mess up. And I just had a recent experience myself where I hired the wrong guy and I always do a probation period anyhow. And I knew before the end of the first week, it wasn't the right guy, but he was so, I was, I appreciated his determination, his commitment and his hard work, his, his work ethic to improve that I gave him another chance. But after three weeks, it just, it, it was costing me time and money. And mentioned that the mishire for most of the company, I think the average is, it costs like $80,000 or something for every mishire because you got to train them. You have to evaluate them, lose customers, you lose momentum, you have to fire them. That can go sideways. You know, they may not leave amicably. Then you have to rehire, contact all the past applicants, get new applicants, retrain. Like it's just such a huge time vampire. So you said one of the big things was asking the right questions. Do you have like some sample questions people can use? Is that I do. I have a whole list of interview questions that owners really should think about implementing into their process. It's kind of out of the box questions. And I would say the most important thing is letting them talk. There's a lot of over, uh, owners who overtake the interview or really want to strongly direct it. And I think, you know, having just a, a couple key questions, especially when you first talk to them, because you should already know a good deal about them. And so just letting them talk and getting a feel for it, because the longer it goes on, the more emotionally involved you get. And so just, you know, pick maybe 10 of what I have, 40 questions or so, and just hone in on those. Everybody's got their own questions, but really just let them talk. Like one of them is, you know, if you were a flavor of ice cream, what would you be? Something that catches them off guard. You know, I mean, it's really not all that unusual, but you, they're like, oh, and it's like, well, are they going to pick vanilla or are they going to pick, you know, oh, you know, I like that pink stuff with the confetti, you know, that's, it says a lot, especially in the creative industry, mm. you know, just really let them talk, let, get their feedback and look at their expressions and their emotions. And so every single question that I have in that list also has how you should think about their response. Oh, oh, good. Cause I was going to say, yeah, I would say some people. I get it, but what might be, so you have, where do they get that? So they get that on, it's actually at the very bottom of our website. It's called the freebie page and they can download the interview questions and they can also get a list. This is one of the biggest questions we get. Where are these licensed professionals and what is they want? Well, I'm going to tell it to them. (laughs) It's a free list of things to really think about in their offer. Kind of like we talked about social media and website. It's like, and from their eyes, from their point of view, this is what they see. And so 
just really helps them understand through the licensed professional's eyes what they're looking for and how to tap into them. And so both of those are at the freebie on the freebie page at the very bottom of the website in Lighthire. You can also reach out to us on social media and ask this for them. If you don't feel like searching around, we're happy to throw that link to you. And that's enlightenedhire.com. Enlightenedhire.com. So now you've worked with hundreds of salon owners. Can you speak to maybe both with hiring, but and maybe to the staff, but also anything else that you think is important? What habits do you feel the most successful spa owners you've seen have? I feel like fixing is everything. Automation and systemization, because that frees up so much time and energy. And so, you know, most of these owners, if they're not tapping into those types of resources, they are spending so much time as a business owner. Automation for me is everything. And systemization, if I don't have that assistance, it's like you're just spinning your wheels trying to always catch up on stuff. And so I would say implement as many assets into your business that are low cost and effective. Got it. So delegate and automate as much as you can. Yeah. Yeah. So also try stuff, like get out of the box. Like I love to try stuff. I've never, you know, laid out a software program before until, you know, these last two years. And so that was a huge challenge for me. It was not something I could delegate. If I could have delegated it, I probably would have. And I'm really glad I couldn't have because <laughs> it forced me. But there's just certain things like, you know, I hired a lady to do my social media marketing. So I'm terrible at it. I mean, I don't like designing stuff. It's fun for a minute. And then I get too many buttons and things on there. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is just, and then I'm, it's three hours later and right. I'm mad. And so at myself and I'm like, she does it quick and she does it beautiful and that kind of stuff. So great to hire out for that. There's young people everywhere yeah. want to do social media that want to help. That's it. Albatross for salon owners. Right. Is the social media giant because they feel out of touch. They feel like, well, I don't know what people want to see. I don't know, you know, what to post. I don't know when to post. Hiring out for social media or at least hiring help for social media. Huge. Yeah. So good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. And on top of that, I mean, the best place to get some of the answers on this from saying they don't know if people want to see, ask your customers. When I had a martial arts school years ago and I was trying to learn and master SEO and that's the place I got was just ask your customers what they Google. The people that pay you money, just ask them what they Google and then make a bunch of content around that keyword. And I did that and I dominated the first page of Google for those keywords. And this is a little hack is how you dominate because Google only lets you take one spot. You write all this content, but you put it on your site, guest post on other sites, you make a Wikipedia page, you put your name and face on all these properties. So all of a sudden, you're just everywhere people go on the first page, it leads to you. And, but this is the kind of stuff like you talked about knowing, I think it's a late, but one of the factors I mentioned was business intelligence. And that's perceiving how your performance, how are people receiving you? It's having the time to stop and actually say, Hey, are we asking customers how they're doing? Hey, how are our reviews doing online? And then you can't do that if you're so busy every day running in that hamster wheel. So. I think that's really important. Getting as a business owner, getting up, proving your concept, getting cash flow positive, and then reinvesting it to free yourself up to keep building this business piece by piece by piece. And there's, you know, there's the product service side, there's the financial side and the marketing and sales side. And so you got to, you know, you're never going to get completely free of the marketing 
and sales, and you're never going to get completely free of financial management, but you don't have to do all the work. You can be like a surgeon where the nurses do all the prep work, cut the patient open, and the surgeon comes in, that's what they do, and they leave. And that's where you really want to get as a business owner. Oh, but we're so fortunate that we, you know, we're service providers. And so we have, you know, an asset just by showing up to work. There's a lot of ways that you can trade out for services in order to, you know, especially social media, you know, that, yeah. oh my gosh, you got a young lady who wants to have her hair colored every six weeks. Guess what? That's a couple hundred bucks. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Clients, you can pay them for engagement. You can pay them for, you know, because engagement's a big part of social media. And of course, that's a time suck too. Yeah. Well, there's people who are, would love to have their nails done, their hair done. They'd love to have an eyebrow wax yeah. and they will gladly help you with whatever they're great at. And yeah. so just thinking, being inventive and thinking out of the box and hiring out for that stuff that really bonds you down first. Right. Yeah. I love everything you're saying. So two important points to that is you don't, not everybody necessarily has to be full-time. Sometimes a few hours a week is all you need, especially like you say, like with social media, you can schedule. So one of the things like we do is we're 60 days ahead on our social media calendar <clears throat> because now we're not scrambling to meet today's deadline. We're able to watch and see what's trending. And I'm not saying I've got the best social media presence, but we're getting there, right? So that's a big thing. Hard. <laughs> the other one is, Getting really clear on who you need to hire. Some people make an org chart, and I think that's the wrong way to go about it. I think accountability or what is it? An accountability chart is the better way to do it in terms of where you think of all the little, this is hard to do for big picture people. It's really detail focused, but it's just, what are all the things that need to get done? A brainstorm session. Someone's got to unlock the door, turn the lights off, sweep the floor. Someone's got to check your inventory. So you write all those things out and you group them into categories and you hire to that. You don't think, oh, well, I'm busy. I need a secretary. And now you hire a secretary and you got to think of, well, now what do I need her to do? And you make that up. Wrong way to do it. Because if you do it the other way, you'll be more focused on the specific things you need to get done. And you may realize you don't need a full-time secretary. We got all these college guys coming in for haircuts. We should hire a men's expert, you know, rather than trying to, oh, no, you know, well, no, we just want to do long, long hair. Yeah. Well, hello. The demand is dudes. They're everywhere. Hello. They want to get their haircut. Hire a men's specialist. Yeah. Hire a young one. Train them. Get them yeah. trained. Whatever. That's your demands. Yeah. Deal with what is, is dealt with you. I mean, it's, yeah. Sometimes they just want to go against the grain so much and it's frustrating. Yeah. It's like your opportunities are right in front of you. Yeah. Now you <laughs> help people improve their hiring process for free, right? I mean, you do pay, but it's also... A free way for people to get help too, right? How does that work? Absolutely. So what our software does, and it helps owners clarify and identify really what works best for them. So they have that, like you had said, that list, like, okay, we've got this list. It's like having a list that's always there that they can edit. And so it really encompasses all of the wants, needs, and preferences for owners. And so you know, one of the big points in our industry is, oh, I want someone, who, someone who's experienced. Well, that can change back and forth. You know, it's like, well, what do you mean? Like someone out of school, someone with experience, someone with, you know, 200 clients. And so what Enlightened Hire does is it allows them to really clarify that because like we had said before, the social media says something, then the website says something, and then people are like, I have no idea what I'm doing here. And so it's kind of like they could hold all of that in one space and edit it at any time. And then so anyone who comes through, they can try it for free. 
I mean, they could use it on one of their people. They could use it on someone they're considering. And so they're going to get detailed reporting on how that applicant aligns with what it is they want. And the applicant gets the same report. So it's really beneficial on both sides because we didn't even get in the applicants, but they may even be more needy because they don't know what right. to ask and what to think about. Right. And so, but neither one of them do a lot of times. And so you've got all this stuff floating around. And so, yeah, it's like, it's extremely affordable. Like our lowest subscription is $10 a month. Like, why would you not try it for $10? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think you have nothing to lose, literally. Yeah. It could cost you tens of thousands for a mishire. And that's not high. Yeah. That's legit. That's legitimate. Or you can lose a client. Like that's the other part. You're experimenting. You bring them in and then you kind of let them go. And then you have to make up for a mistake. So it's really, really expensive. That's also at enlightenedhire.com. Is it? Yep. Yeah. Everybody who signs up gets a free Charlotte. And so they just get to try it and just really see how it works. You know, if that's not a need for them, if they're just looking for more bodies to come in by mass, we're not for them. And that's fine. You know, if they don't need that pre-publication, if they don't need that systemization to their business and that additional software, it's just like appointment software. You know, we use all these different applications to store, organize, and help our business. And so this is just a different one, except that it has to do with hiring. And it's far beyond anything that most owners are able to do on their own. And so like if we have an owner that because a manager, a lot of times there's mixed messages there. Mm -hmm. And so the owner can fill it out, can fill out their questionnaire. And so when the manager goes to interview, the owner's getting what they want, you know, because the manager, what if she's having a bad day? What if she's thinking about leaving? What if, you know, all these variables. So for an owner, it's a really great way to take ownership of the hiring without actually having to be there. Yeah. You just made me think of something that I want to put this here for people listening. If you have, of like a phone for your business where customers call, ghost call your own number all the time. Have friends, people who meet on the street. Hey, you got a minute? Can you just call and just let me hear? It is like, there's so much money lost in the first 30 seconds, some of those phone calls or the phone calls that aren't answered. I don't know why, but it just came to mind. And I've been shocked. I do this with clients sometimes. I'm just always so amazed. Just ghost call the secret shopper. Like do that for your own bits. Ask friends, your relatives coming to town. Tell them you'll pay them back. Like go get your hair done and I'll give you, pay, pay them, but I'll give you the money back on the back. Like just do it any way, every way you can. And regularly, they say when the cat's away, the mice will play. Anyway, just something that you brought to mind. Some of the stuff in these interviews I say for listeners, and sometimes it's a reminder for myself, like the six week, like prize for the team that was part sharing a nugget but it was also part like a reminder for me that's been on my to-do list i want to get that done you know so one of the last things i want to ask is where do you feel the future of this industry is headed well that's been pretty difficult you know so in the industry we have two different ways to be employed you're actually either employed or you are self-employed and so that sometimes that they sort of operate separately. And these days there's more hybrids. And I really think that's probably the way to go. And I think that the, that's the way things are going. And so that provides the opportunity for someone who either is independent and gosh, maybe they have a baby and they don't want to work full time and they'd rather be in a commission situation. Or if they're in a commission situation, it's like, oh, they want a little bit more freedom. They like where they are. 
you know, maybe they can go over to rental. I don't personally have a preference because I don't own a salon anymore. But I think it's a very difficult business model to navigate, but I think it's probably the best. Then they're leaving because they don't want to be there. It's not because their opportunity is not there. They're leaving because they don't fit in. They're leaving because they're not happy for one reason or another. And so nine times out of 10, that's the reason. So I'd see that's where it's going. And I see what there's a is resistant to, oh, well, we've already hired a student or we don't want somebody with, you know, that's just out of school. Well, that's going to have to change because that is what's available. You know, there are obviously licensed professionals with experience that are, you know, getting new jobs all the time, but the applicants that are available are students and they don't have that mentorship available. You know, they're kind of getting lost. They get out of school and they're like, well, oh, well, we're here because I just need a job because that no one's hiring students. And you know, that mentorship, I think, is also something that the future is going to provide. We have, a, I mean, the independent contractor, that's never going to go away. And it's a wonderful thing. I've done it. But I think that just those out of the box type of situations, the hybrids and like, okay, how do we work with these students? How do we really train them and not have to break an arm and leg if they leave? You know, this is the way of the future. That's sustainable. Mm-hmm. You remind something that my girlfriend does. She hires lots of students. She actually has a multi-tier. So it might be tough to do in salon scenario, but it is a bit of a mentorship. There's three tiers and the best rise at the top type thing. So I don't know if there's a pricing structure where someone can volunteers for a cheaper haircut to be a guinea pig or what, or there's like a supervisor and three students cutting hair and the supervisor. So now you only have one supervisor to, right? Like you said, there's going to be some innovation happening. So throwing ideas out there. I actually I ran into a guy that has a whole online program for students or for a training program. And I thought, really, how can that be? You know, way touch people for a living. How can you and I'm going to tell you, it's really great. And that too is super affordable. And so things like that, I think are going to be more prevalent. And so that, that type of option for an owner who's like, well, you know, I've got someone who's talented. I don't have the time to train them. There's resources for you out there. Yeah. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, I'm glad to see things like that. Yeah. So that's been such a good call. People listening to it may want to listen to a couple more times just because again, business is a team sport, even if you're using software and that it's just, it's all about people. I think there's so many nuggets in here. Is there anything that I haven't asked you that I should have asked you? Let's see. Maybe what the future when light and higher is, but we have some really big plans. I mean, we right now, just in the United States and Canada, we are going to be building all kinds of applications for mainly schools and students and just so they can use it for free actually because they really need it i mean these poor teachers are so tired yeah they're working so hard and they don't have the time to individually work with these students like they really should be mm-hmm. and so our software what that does is it allows the school sort of an administrative type of account and so they can help their students they can look at their students responses and really coach them like on how they're responding how an employer is going to interpret that and really what it means. And so I'm really, really, really excited for that. That is in the works right now. We will have the smart job board, I call it. And so it's like nothing you've ever seen. If you ever go on Indeed, you see all these listings, even on my own website, Salon Spot Connection listings. Well, we're going to build an application to where if you're logged in as a stylist, say, and you see all these opportunities, you're going to see fit colors on them instead of 
just listings because then you're going to see it all in like a mass comparison to you. And then you can dial it down like, oh, you know, well, I don't live in Kansas City, but I do live in Chicago. So you dial it down from there. And then, I mean, you talk about efficient. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I'm really excited. Yeah. A lot of big things to come. Yeah. Excellent. All right. So people want to connect more, they can go to enlightenedhire.com. Do you have another domain as well or just Enlightened Hire? Enlightened Hire will work. They can connect with us on social. They can connect with me on Facebook. Salon Spot Connection right now is just in Kansas City until we are able to infiltrate a little wider. And then that will also be national. So these two businesses will work together. But yeah, enlightenedhire.com. Uh, me, Susan, last name is W-O-S. Uh, Facebook, send me a friend request, reach out. I don't personally do social media outside of Facebook because I can't manage all of the things. And so <laughs> I'm, I'm a Facebooker, sorry. Um, and LinkedIn too, I guess. So yeah, socials are a great way to reach us. And my social media manager always tells me, hey, Susan, you have a message in the in the DMs. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Susan, thank you so much for your time today. It's been such a pleasure getting to know you and get your answers. And like I said, people may want to listen to this a couple of times just to make sure they do it right and definitely check out your free resources. And that's it. Thank you so much for coming and sharing with us today. Thank you for having me, Daryl. I really appreciate it.